Good morning. My name is Scott Sunblad, and uh, Pastor Matt is unable to be with us this morning, so he graciously invited me to bring the word uh, to us as we continue to journey through the account of Luke. Before we go to Luke, I just have a, a question for you. You can think, pontif- you can ponder this question. Who are, who are some of the heroes of the faith in your life? Whether saints who've gone before the Lord to the Lord or present day, who are some of the heroes that have ministered by their testimony of faith? Who are those heroes to you? I was preparing for this message and I was thinking of a podcast I had just recently heard reminding me of some of the heroes of the faith in my life of biographies I've read, I uh, heard the, an interview of Valerie Elliott Shepherd a few weeks ago. She is in her 60s now. She's the one child of Jim Elliott and Elizabeth Elliott, who went on to be with the Lord. Jim Elliott was martyred with five men in Ecuador in the late 50s, and Valerie was only a year old at that time, not even a year old at that time when her father was martyred. And as the Lord would have it, there was a miraculous series of events that allowed that tribe that had martyred her very dad to invite her mother to go and live with them. So Elizabeth Elliot, along with Rachel Saint, the sister of one of the other martyrs, along with Valerie, who at this point was three years old, went and lived with the um, Waroni peoples in eastern Ecuador. And Elizabeth and Rachel, they learned the language, they befriended the people, they lived among them. These are the very tribe members, some of them, who had speared their husband and brother and the other four men, three men that were martyred. And they shared the gospel message as they learned the language, and this tribe came to know the Lord. And that's a, I didn't, that's a series of <clears throat> events recorded in some of the biographies that Elizabeth Elliot has written of her husband and the other men. I encourage you to read them. Those really ministered to me as a young man when I read them. But now hearing from the vantage point of the daughter... And realizing now, as a parent myself, realizing what faith Elizabeth must have had to go to the very tribe and take her three-year-old daughter with to the very tribe that had speared her husband and the father of her daughter. What trust in our Lord to minister to this tribe that so desperately needed the Lord. And so I think about some of the heroes of the faith, and I ask right now, who did Jesus identify as one of great faith? Who was one of the heroes in the New Testament of great faith? And I think we're going to get a snapshot of one of those men, one of his uh, testimonies today. I'd like to start with a word of prayer, though, so bow with me. Lord Jesus, we just sang, there is no one like you. And as we go into your word, we are reminded 
of the amazing accounts of people who met you, people who were healed by your touch and your word, people who were astonished at the authority of your, of your, of your word and of your teachings. May we reflect back, there is no one like you. We love you and we adore you. And may we follow in faith and in obedience. Lord, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to bring this word to this congregation, this group, this gathering. I'm unworthy and I feel like many who have said, increase our faith, help us in our unbelief. So grow our belief, our faith in you. Grow our understanding of who you are. In your name, amen. <clears throat> Last week, Pastor Matt brought to us the account of the Sermon on the Mount. And it could have been the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount, or it could have been a similar message that he had shared, Jesus had shared with the crowds. And Jesus, as he's coming down from the mount, imagine Jesus is over here on a hillside near Capernaum. And the crowd has heard his message, and he finishes the message. And then he enters into the nearby town of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was the prominent city in Galilee. It is a place that Jesus had ministered in. And Jesus went into Capernaum, and that crowd followed with him. And it tells us in Luke 7 that Jesus was met by elders of the Jews, and they came to him on behalf of a Roman officer. This officer had a servant, a servant who was ill and near death. And they, these elders, were sent to ask Jesus to come and heal the man. They came to Jesus and they said, this man deserves for you, this officer deserves for you to do it on behalf of his soldier, of his servant, I'm sorry, because he loves our people and he has built our place of worship. And so Jesus agreed, and he followed them, and when he wasn't far from the home of the people, of the centurion, this Roman officer, again, Jesus was met by friends of the Roman officer. And they came, and they shared the words of this officer. They said, Lord, I don't deserve for you to come to my house. I am unworthy. I'm unworthy even to come into your presence. That's why I haven't come. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, and I have those who are under my authority. I tell my soldier, go, and he goes. I tell that servant, that soldier, come, and he comes. I tell my servant, do this, and he does this. When Jesus had heard these words, he marveled at the faith of the officer. And he turned to the crowd that had followed him into Capernaum, and he says, I tell you, I haven't seen faith as great as this 
in all of Israel. When those friends returned to the officer's home, they found that the servant had been healed. Sometime not too long later, Jesus went to another village about 30 miles away, and that crowd continued to follow him, as well as his disciples. And as Jesus was entering into the town, near the gate of this town, they were met by a procession of a funeral. A young man who had died was being carried out. His body was being carried out to be buried. And this young man was the son, the only son of a widow. Jesus saw her, and he had compassion on her. And he said to her, don't cry. And then Jesus went over to the, the stretcher that was carrying the body, and he touched it. And he said to the young man, get up. And the man who had been dead got up and began talking. And Jesus presented him to his mother. And fear gripped the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A great prophet has appeared. God has come to his people. And this report was spread throughout the country of Judea and the surrounding areas. And this comes from the account of Luke in God's word. So I want to just share... I'm going to go back through the passage again. I think we have the words, and you can put them up on the board in just a moment as I'm talking through it. Let me tell you exactly what I'm doing. My desire is for you to hear the story a couple times, and you can go back, you can go to your home, you can read it, and then when you have the opportunity in your family or at your workplace or with your neighbor, we just talked about and prayed for some of our neighbors and people in our community, if you have the opportunity, you could share this Bible story with a friend or a neighbor. And I was praying for an opportunity this last week, and God gave me that opportunity on Friday afternoon. I was a, with a customer, and this gentleman had some artwork in his kitchen, and he was showing it to me, and one of the paintings was his own rendition of a more famous Italian painting in which Jesus was betrayed. So there's an actual picture of Jesus and the soldiers and the servants that were coming to arrest Jesus. And the, the customer that I was meeting with, he actually took his own face, like the former artist that had done this, put his face on that picture, on that painting, in place of one of the betrayers. And so I said, hey, I've got a story about Jesus and some Roman soldiers, can I tell you this? And he, he hemmed and hawed, and he's like, I'm, a, I'm really not that great of a person. I'm really not that religious. In fact, I've done some really bad things. He told me that three times at least. I've done some really bad things. And I said, well, you know what? The character in this story says he's really unworthy of Jesus too, but Jesus saw great faith in this man. Can I tell you this story? And so he listened to me, and he went on to share about his lifestyle a little bit, and I, it appeared that he wasn't really ready to change his life on behalf of following, in order to follow Jesus. But I had the opportunity to share. My desire in sharing the story with you is in telling it twice or more, you can learn it, internalize it, and tell it in your own words. And 
I can guarantee that the man that I shared this story with on Friday did not know the word centurion. That's in your Bible. Our friends and our neighbors, a lot of them are becoming or have very little literacy in the Bible. And so we need to share the Bible in words that they understand. And so I encourage you to know the story and be able to tell it in your own words. So what's going on here? Jesus, as I said, he started on the sermon. He was at the hillside next to Capernaum. And when he finished sharing that message, together with the crowd, they entered into Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was a significant town in Galilee, but it's only about 1,500 people. And Jesus had been there multiple times. So when the Roman officer hears of Jesus coming, and he's actually heard of Jesus before, it says, the Roman centurion, and that's literally an officer of 100, this Roman officer heard of Jesus, and he sent for Jesus. And who does he send at first? When Jesus had just gotten into the town, he was met by elders of the Jews. These Jewish elders came to Jesus and they were instructed to ask Jesus to go to the centurion, to this Roman officer. In fact, they plead with Jesus on behalf of this Roman officer's request. They, they beg him to come and they say, he deserves for you to do this because he loves our people and he has built our place of worship, our synagogue. So, I asked the question, I actually, as I was preparing for this message, I wrote a lot of observations down, and I asked some questions, and the question I had was, is this normal for Jews and Romans to interact like this? And what I understood was, no, it's, it's not. The Jews had no choice. The Romans had come, and they had conquered the land, they were the occupiers of the land. The Romans they were a very pluralistic society, much like what we live in now, a very pluralistic society that worshipped many gods. It was actually easier for the Romans to accommodate to the Jews than it was for the Jews to accommodate to the Romans. And so it's really telling that these Jewish elders would go to Jesus on behalf of a Roman officer. The Romans put up with the Jews. Certainly, at times, they came down with a heavy fist, with power. They had the power, and they, when there were insurrections or rebellions, they did crack down. Herod the Great would be one example. Pontius Pilate would be another example at the bookends of the life and ministry of Jesus. But at the more local level, like Capernaum, the Romans just interacted with the Jews and accommodated for them. So it it's more difficult, though, for the Jews who worshipped one God to accommodate for the Romans. And so it's very telling of the relationship that this centurion, this officer, had developed with the local people for these leaders, these Jewish elders, to come to Jesus on his behalf, to make a request of Jesus on his behalf. And Jesus agrees now, what else was described of this officer? He loves our people. He loves our nation, it says in the scripture. 
He loves our people. This is insider speak. The Jews speaking to Jesus are saying he loves our people and he's even built our synagogue, our place of worship. Did he physically build the synagogue? We don't know. Probably he gave funds. Maybe he provided labor from his soldiers. Or maybe he procured an agreement or permission for them to build this building. We don't know exactly what he did. But he was known as one who had built our synagogue. So Jesus agrees and he goes with these elders. But then he's met by another party representing this Roman officer. The friends of this officer. And they come and they maybe quote the officer directly. They say, Lord, don't, I don't deserve for you to come to my house. I don't even deserve to come into your presence. We see the humility of this man in these words. It's possible that this man knew the customs of the Jews. He being a Roman, he'd been in the presence of the Jews. He had built their synagogue. He maybe knew some of their customs and teachings. He maybe knew that Jesus was being invited into the home of a non-Jew, a Gentile, and that would have made him unclean. That could have been the case. But more likely, this man was just a humble man and is aware of the authority that Jesus had. The man says, Say the word, and my servant will be healed. And then he opens up by saying, he unpacks his understanding of the authority of Jesus by saying, I understand, I am one that is under authority myself. And I have soldiers who report to me who are under my authority. I tell one, go, and he goes. I tell one, come, and he comes. I tell my servant, do this, and he does this. He's opening up his understanding of authority based on his own personal place, based on his own experience, based on his own position. And he says to Jesus, I understand that all you have to do is say the word. And my servant will be healed. Now, this man had heard of Jesus. Earlier in Luke, Jesus has come to Capernaum before. In Luke 4, verse 31, Jesus is actually in the synagogue, perhaps this very building that this man had built. And he encounters a man possessed by a demon. And Jesus says, be quiet, speaking to the demon. Jesus says, Jesus says the word, be quiet, come out from the man. And the man was delivered from the evil spirit. The Roman officer knows Jesus just has to say the word. He's heard the reports of Jesus. He has heard that not only in this occurrence, but perhaps the paralytic that who, who was healed later, perhaps the man healed of leprosy where Jesus said, be clean, and the man was clean. 
He was cleansed. The Roman officer had heard the reports of Jesus and he knew the authority that Jesus had to say the word. And perhaps in this understanding of the authority of Jesus, we see why he is so humbled. Why this Roman officer doesn't even consider himself worthy to go into the presence of Jesus. So Jesus, when he hears this, he hears, say the word and my servant will be healed. I understand authority. I have those who I tell, go, they go. I have those who, say, who I say, come, they come. I tell this one to do this, and he does it. When Jesus hears these words, he marvels at the faith of the Roman officer. And that's when he turns to that crowd. That crowd that had been with Jesus on the mount, they're following him. They're probably hearing this interchange between Jesus and the Jews, then Jesus with the friends of the Roman officer. He turns to them and he says, I tell you, I haven't seen faith as great as this in all of Israel. And I kind of wonder, what were they thinking when they heard this? They being most likely all Jews themselves. What were they thinking when Jesus identifies this Roman Gentile, this foreigner, has such great faith? So those friends that had come to Jesus, they returned back to the home of the Roman officer, and they find that, Jesus, that the servant has been healed. Luke tells us now, just soon thereafter, Jesus went up to a village called Nain. Nain is about 32 miles away. It probably took them a couple days to travel with that great crowd. That crowd continues to follow. Maybe some have left, some have joined along the way. The disciples are with Jesus. And they come to the gate of this village. That's an important place. In those days, the surrounding walls of a village, of a town, are an important protection from bandits and warring parties. And so the gate is the place where you met people coming in and coming out. It was a place that sometimes leaders met. And you have to imagine that the crowd that is with Jesus, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about what he has said, the authority in which he preaches the authority of his word to command people to be healed. The excitement of following Jesus is there in this crowd, but they collide with another crowd, almost literally. It's another crowd, it says, a great crowd has gathered with this widow to mourn over the loss of this young man, a young man who is the only son of a widow. I thought about this collision, if you want to call it, of two crowds, and I was thinking, what would be the equivalent in our day today? And you can imagine if we had had a funeral in this building here on Monday of the Corn Carnival, and we let the funeral out, and there's the parade going down Broadway. Two completely different moods colliding. And you'd have to imagine the people thinking around Jesus, oh, this is awkward. This is unfortunate. And yet Jesus is there as many times in Scripture. He's right there in these uncomfortable moments in his sovereignty 
in his sovereignty, he's there. Jesus, he sees the widow, and it tells us he had compassion on her. He went to her and he said, don't cry. And then he went over to the stretcher on which the body was being carried. And he touched the stretcher. The people carrying it, they stopped. This is the second time in these two events in which Jesus goes towards that which is unclean. He was going to the home of a Gentile. He comes towards the coffin or the stretcher that is carrying the body and he even touches it. And he speaks, young man, get up. And the man who had been dead got up and began speaking. And Jesus presented him to his mother. And, and fear gripped the crowd. This crowd that had been joyful and mourning, now they are gripped with fear and awe. And they praise God. They say, a great prophet has appeared to us. God has come to help his people. And this report spread throughout the country of Judea as well as the surrounding lands. Let me contrast a couple things in these two events. Really looking at the, the Roman officer and the widow. Two pivotal people in these two events. The Roman officer... He's a foreigner. He represents the foreign occupying force that is controlling Israel. He's a male, and uh, we know in that society the males were dominant. And he goes to Jesus on behalf of one who needs compassion. He enlists people to go to Jesus on behalf of one who needs compassion. And then we have the widow. As far as we know, she may not have ever heard of Jesus. Maybe she had. Maybe the reports had come to her. But she wasn't probably thinking of Jesus at this, point. at this point. She's just thinking of the loss. Her only son is gone. Her husband has passed away. Now her only son is gone. She, she is without the supports that are the natural provision in her society. She's alone. She's mourning. She needs the compassionate touch of Jesus. And Jesus comes. And he responds to the faith of the centurion. And he comes and he responds to the need of the, of the widow. I'd like to encourage you in your bulletin. I have... I listed some questions. I'm going to give you a couple moments. You can just look at it. Just like we had interactive time during prayer time, you can look at these questions for just a couple moments. I'm not asking you to answer all of them right now. You could go home and answer some of them uh, in your own devotional time as we reflect on this passage. I, um, I love these questions because I trust that God in his sovereignty and the Holy Spirit working on our lives can work in all of us to speak through his word. And so I'd encourage you to use questions similar to these if you want as you read through the Bible and reflect on a passage. 
or in the context of family devotions or a small group, you could use questions similar to these. You, they're not rocket science, but just take a few moments to reflect, and I'm going to share a couple of my reflections. What do you like in this passage? What is challenging to understand in this passage? What do you learn about God in this passage? What do you learn about people in this passage? What will you, what, what will you apply to your life from this passage? Let me share what I like in this passage. I was gripped by the faith of this centurion, this Roman officer. It appears that he has been moved by the Lord over some time. He was described as a man who loved the people, who loved the Jewish people. He had helped build their synagogue. And he cared for his servant who was ill. He cared greatly for his servant. He's a humble man. And he gave or approached Jesus sacrificially or he came not directly but through others. He enlisted those to go before him and yet he communicated his humility, that he wasn't worthy of Jesus. He wasn't worthy for Jesus to come into his home. You think about that. Our human nature is to want to talk about who we know or who is the important person we met or did we have an encounter with someone and we like to conveniently name drop that person. This man wasn't looking for the notoriety of having Jesus in his home. He was a humble man and yet a man of faith who acknowledged the authority of Jesus to just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Let me identify what I learned about God in these stories. We see in Jesus the power to heal both the sick and to raise the dead. And we see the compassion of our Lord. And we also see his sovereignty in encountering someone at the end of her rope. In his sovereignty, maybe this was ordained that Jesus at this moment would come to the very gate where this, process, this funeral procession was going out. We learn that he is sovereign over these chance encounters. One more question that I'd just like to share my answer with you. How will you apply this to your life? How will I apply it to my life? I was convicted of the need to step out on behalf of the needy around us. Much like this Roman officer, he enlisted other people. Who are those that are maybe ministering to those who are needy? And I need to come alongside and support them as they care for the needy. We realize that only Jesus can heal. 
And so who can we come to our Lord on behalf of them in prayer or bringing resources to connect um, the needy with those resources? Jesus is a compassionate Savior, and he wants for spiritually lost to be brought to him. And one more observation and application. I was thinking of a character, character or group of characters that really weren't elaborated much on in this story. The soldiers. We hear this officer say, go, and his soldier goes. Come, and another one comes. Do this to his servant, and his servant does this. Much like these soldiers, we acknowledge and we need to remember the authority of our Lord who can just say the word. When he tells us go, do we go? When he tells us come, do we come? When he tells us do this, and we have lots to draw upon, when he tells us do this, do we do this? Let's pray. Lord, I am humbled to reflect on who you are. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You will reign over all nations. You do reign in your sovereignty. Have your reign in us. Have your reign in me. That we would humbly obey. That we would humbly come to you on behalf of a dying world that needs you. That we would humbly hear your voice, hear your words spoken to us. And we would trust it, no matter the cost. We would trust it and step out in obedience. Change us, Lord. Conform us more and more into your image. In your name.